You are listening to episode 37 of the Less Stress, More Fun podcast. This one is all about email, instant messaging, and texting. Oh, my! You are listening to the Less Stress, More Fun podcast. I'm your host, certified coach Lisa Schwaller. Each week, we talk about how you can rise above the stress of modern living so that you can focus your energy on what matters most. All right, let's get started. Hello, hello, how are you? Oh, I'm sorry, hang on just a minute. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, uh, where was I? Oh, yes, hello, hello, how are you? Oh, hang on, just, oh, let me check this. Uh, okay, sorry, texts and emails coming in. Welcome to modern times. And guess what? You may be living in a modern world, but you still have a human brain. So let's talk about that, shall we? I often hear in working with people that electronic communications are blamed as a source of stress. But email, instant messaging, and texting, and everything else we see digitally, those are all simply tools. And tools are for us to use them, not the other way around. For this episode, I wanted to talk about three things. First, a brief history of electronic, anytime, anywhere, all the time communication. I'd like to connect to why electronic communication can actually be biologically stressful. And of course, I definitely want to share suggestions for developing habits as it relates to your electronic communications, that will help you amplify your joy and performance and, of course, bring that stress down. But first, let's talk about this. You know, nowadays, I think we take for granted there's smartphones in the hands of people all around our globe, and we forget that this is a very limited time frame that we have had these tools available to us. Let's have a quick history. I just thought it would be fun to share how young, compared to humanity, these technologies really are. First, email. Hotmail, America Online, and Microsoft Outlook only came on the scene in the 1990s. The first iPhone was released in 2007, and the first SMS, or short messaging service, a.k.a. text, was sent in 1992. Now, let's have a little bit of contrast. The first letter is believed to have been sent around 500 B.C. or over 2,500 years ago. Email is, you know, 30 years old, not even. The iPhone is 15 years old this year. And text messaging is only about 20 years old. And and again, it wasn't in our pockets until everybody started adopting smartphones. People have been communicating for as long as there have been people. It's there's a very strong emerging social science that tells us that actually communicating with each other is one of our primary motives for our survival. But the way we do it these days and the and as ubiquitous or common as it is is very very new by association and this 
the other thing is we were communicating with each other, but this always on, always available, person to person, via writing is, it just kind of amplifies the effect of what we're seeing. I wanted to share my perspective on why electronic communications like email, instant messaging, and texting can actually be biologically stressful. The bottom line is that our machines are moving much faster than our brains are, honestly. Now, our brains can process a lot, but as far as cognitively taking an input, cognitively uh, processing a response, and then delivering the, the reply that we want, the expectations are so much different than they used to be. And what's interesting is our machines are moving faster than our legal system in some ways as well. Uh, by way of a funny story, a few years ago, one of our local district attorneys came to speak to a group of adolescent boys via a program that my sons were participating in. I I love the law. I love seeing how the, quite often the system is very much lagging like science. It's harder to change laws than it is to discover new things about how human beings work. And I was asking, tell me a little bit about how emojis are changing the landscape. Because he had told a story, you know, as a cautionary tale to these 12 to 17-year-old boys. He said, they're are kids who will just say a text and they think they're being funny. And if you know anything about adolescent male brains, they are using more of their limbic system than their prefrontal cortex. Those connections to be logical and deliberate are literally not there until they're about their mid-20s. And he was saying you, you may impulsively send a message, but because our legal system doesn't recognize biology in a lot of cases— you're, you could get in trouble for a long time. And he was telling a story about a kid who had sent a text and had to go down to the courthouse on a monthly basis as, as part of the, the restitution for this very flippant, what I considered seemingly benign text. I asked, tell me a little bit about like how, how do emojis come in? And it was such an interesting conversation because essentially emojis are hieroglyphics and you have to ascribe a tent to the use of a certain cartoon picture. These are scenarios that human beings are not prepared to handle, generally speaking. But then our legal systems, they don't really know what to do with these. Everybody is, quite honestly, making it up as they go along, aka a little bit of stress. There's a lot of unpredictability and a, a lot less structure for how these things are supposed to work or how we're supposed to interpret them. And the second thing is that these messages come in on devices that are literally designed to get us to pay attention to them. In fact, there is a profession called attention engineering. And this phrase describes people who are hired, often by tech companies or other innovative firms, to use what we know about human behavior to get us to use their products more often and compulsively. You know, like gambling or drugs. <laughs> Those things are also designed to tap into our biology. Let's look at this. We have science that is put into products, and then we have our legal and government structures are much slower to adopt and integrate what we know about 
human beings and our biology, specifically our neurobiology and our sociobiology. The deck is deck against us. Even the way the scroll mechanism is designed taps into dopamine. Remember, in the podcast series I did, I think it was episodes 13 to 20, we did a deep dive into decision-making and follow-through, and I talked about dopamine. So definitely go revisit those. But to summarize, dopamine's first hits are about reward. The first time we try something that makes our dopamine light up, or, you know, our dopamine causes us to acquire it, there's a sense of like, ooh, there's a reward over there. But over time, what's actually stronger than the reward mechanism is the craving to end the pain of missing the stimulus. Let's bring it back to these devices. We have email, instant messaging, and text. And those things started out coming through desktop computers and then laptops and then tablets. And then now they're in our pocket. They're in our purses. They're in our next to us. And these devices are designed with buzzes, beeps, and pings. And over time, it's less about giving us the rush of reward than a relief from pain, which is kind of creepy. They're designed to tap into our brain chemistry. And then we have these apps that deliver a constant request for our attention. Most people, in fact, will say they're like, where's my phone? Where's my phone? And they have a stronger response to missing their phone than missing someone who's in their immediate family. The volume of input has increased exponentially beyond what our brains can literally hold. They're delivered to us on devices using colors, fonts, graphics that are highly dopaminergic. And this is a perfect storm. It's the ideal recipe for a stressful existence because the technology doesn't match that incredibly powerful yet designed to have certain limits brain. Our brains can't hold in short-term storage the amount of volume that is coming in asking for the use of it. Well, Let's move into section three, which is suggestions. Enough of this doomsday talk. Let's talk about what you can do about this. Well, you can probably guess where I'm going to start. The first place to consider is your electronic communication mindset. What do you think about email, instant messaging, and text? Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a mixed experience for you. You may like the convenience that you don't care for the way the -the out-of-the-box settings are designed to grab your attention. You may like being able to send a quick email from your kid's baseball game, and you may resent that there's an expectation to do so. Really think about what you think about these things and notice that there may be contradictions or seemingly contradictory thoughts and actually get it out of your mind onto paper and, and really take a look at like on default, what are the expectations I have for myself? What do I believe other people expect from me? Um, do I like these things? If I had the opportunity, would I go live in a yurt on a mountaintop? <laughs> Just really take a look at like what your default thinking is and get curious about it. And in addition to paying attention to your thinking, Notice how your body feels. When you 
get a notification, feel what your body provides for you as a reaction or a response. When you're scrolling through your email, your text, um, when you're scrolling on anything, notice your body sensation. Again, depending on the associations you have with it, you may have different physical reactions. Imagine the scenario of logging into your email after taking a three-week vacation. What do you imagine thinking and feeling then? If your phone announces a text, what do you think and feel? And is it in part because of the expectations you have ahead of time? Again, you may have a very wide spectrum of responses to this. Most people that I work with do. It's not 100% great and 100% miserable. It's a little bit of everything. Some people will share that they relax when they scroll. And yet sometimes I, I challenge that. It's like, is it relaxing to scroll or is it a way to cover up some other feelings? When we dig into it and not just take things at face value, we typically find that the scrolling isn't really what is relaxing, but what it represents. Or the text notification or email notification isn't stressful. It's what it represents. Imagine for yourself these different scenarios and notice throughout the day what your habits and behaviors are and be curious about them. Look at them with the curiosity of a scientist. Next, consider the results that you're creating in your life with your thinking and, and how you feel. And I don't just mean as it relates to your inbox. I'll give a specific example. Some people aspire to be productive and efficient with email communication. And they'll say, oh, I want um, inbox zero because what that would mean to them is that they would feel relaxed and in control, that they had a lot of agency, that there was not unpredictability, that there weren't demands placed on them. But I'm not talking about the results you want to create there. I'm talking about looking at what you're doing with your time and attention as it relates to these forms of communication. Imagine that it's three years from today and you're looking back on this year, the year you're listening to this. What did you create this year, ideally? For example, did you write that book you've been thinking about for years or get in the best shape of your life or did you fall in love? Maybe even with the person you're already partnered with, maybe you fell in love with them again. What did you create this year in your health, for your wealth, and in your most important relationships? Then ask yourself how your current electronic communication habits either enhanced or detracted from you creating those results. Is your smartphone going to help you get in the best shape of your life? Maybe, if you're using it intentionally. Is your smartphone in all of these electronic communications going to help you fall deeper in love with your family? Next, I'll offer up the suggestion of setting ground rules. And these are ground rules with yourself, whether it's at work or with personal communications. Even when I say, set ground rules with your electronic communications, what comes to mind for you immediately? Is it, yes, please, or, oh, I can't, or something else? Isn't that curious what your initial thought was? I 
would offer that you can probably set different ground rules and more firm ground rules around your communication habits than you may think. And I will come right out here and say that, yes, the more clear you are with the rules for yourself, the more you'll get done. Just for fun and to spark your own creativity, here are a few areas where you might want to set ground rules around email, messaging, text, or other forms of electronic communication. You may consider blackout periods when you don't check messages. For example, the first hour after waking or on days off. I do this. It's beautiful. I do not check my email and my messages first thing in the morning. When I wake up, I find that there's a very interesting flavor of creativity that's available to me and a certain amount of energy. So I use that on my most important projects, not on other people's most important projects. You could use filters or tagging to sort messages. Again, this is something that has been brilliant for me is I'll tag certain things to bring them out of my inbox into certain folders. Things that I don't need to see except maybe, I don't know, once a day or even some things once a week, maybe newsletters or announcements of sales or or confirmations of purchases. I don't need that to come in and claim my attention immediately. So that's brilliant. Use the tools inside your software to manage that. You could set office hours when you're free for impromptu calls. That can be fun to experiment with of saying, I'm going to go ahead and block off these times on the calendar and let people know, hey, if you just need to pop in and talk to me, the best time is this because that's the time when I'm expecting impromptu conversations. And you could make decisions around using the apps on your phone or just decide to log in via your laptop. There are certain apps, um, particularly social media. I don't have it on my phone anymore. It's just too tempting to avoid my boredom by looking at what other people are doing. If I don't have those apps on my phone, I'm more likely to think of ideas, to do some writing. There's a, a hundred other things that I'd rather do. For some apps, I only look at them on the laptop. And notifications. You don't have to have notifications active. Play with that. Run some experiments. See what works for you. Bottom line is that for me, setting ground rules has allowed me to know when I'm available to my projects, when I'm available to in-person and relationships. Because I treat my yeses like the most valuable currency. I'm clear about who comes into my world I want it to be an invitation. I don't need the world stumbling on my digital lawn, as it were. For me to have boundaries, ground rules around what I check and when and what notifies me and why, I'm able to be so much more clear in my attention. I don't need to worry about what's on my phone because I'll get to it during the appropriate time. And you know what? The world is still spinning on its axis and the sun rose in the east again today. I was so worried when I made some of these changes that there would be these huge negative consequences. And I was right that there were huge consequences. I crank out more work because I'm not at the whim of electronic communications. Electronic communications are my tool to use. They are not there to use me. You might have fun running different experiments. And just remember, remember that once upon a time, these things didn't exist. 
Today, we talked about fun little history review of the fact that these electronic anytime, all the time communications are really less than 30 years old and them coming into your pockets is 15 years or less old. These tools literally can and they are designed to tap into or I would even say hijack your cognitive attention which I think can be very stressful from a biological perspective, as well as how it shifts our mindset around our expectations for ourselves. And of course, I offered a few suggestions for habits. And if you implement those and run some experiments, I wouldn't be surprised if you find your performance increases as well. All right, your Coach Lisa homework this week is first do the work of noticing, observing your current habits and behaviors. Notice what you think about email, instant messaging, texting, other apps, other things that come into your world digitally. And do you feel like the way that you use these tools is what you would choose for yourself on purpose? And please remember, you have so much more choice in this area of your life than you may think initially. because. Honestly, ask for yourself, would you be willing to ruffle a few feathers out there, those people, to create what you want with your life? For me, the answer is yes. I'm the only person in every scene of the movie that's the life of Lisa, and I want to be truly present and available to the people that I've chosen to be close to. I will not obey the beep or a buzz of an electric master. No, that is not for me because I'm here to create connections with myself and other people in a very different way. So those are my priorities and you get to choose what's right for you. When preparing for this podcast, I was thinking about how young the technology is. I was thinking back to when I was a kid. I am not a digital native. I did not grow up with all of these things. When I think about what life was like as a kid, and I remember having a pen pal when I was in second grade, and they paired us with a student at another school in the area. It was such a delicious experiment. We'd write letters back and forth all year long. And then toward the end of the year, they brought us all together one afternoon to have a picnic and actually meet our pen pal in person. And literally... I have goosebumps as I'm talking about that right now because it was such a profoundly beautiful experience to be able to have those kinds of communications and and to have this relationship that grew over time. She and I kept in touch for years after that. Think about what you're not doing when you're scrolling, beeping, checking notifications, working on getting to inbox zero. Maybe the world needs more pen pals, and a little less notifications. Just something to think about. Have a beautiful day. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying what you're learning, I'd love to have you as a member of the Less Stress, More Fun community on Facebook. Join me there to continue the conversation from the podcast. Plus, you'll get access to things I share only with community members. I'll talk to you next week.